Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Jahan Cox teaches on breaking agreement with lies and unforgiveness. Would you just close your eyes for a minute? Lay your hand on your own heart. Would you just give the Holy Spirit complete permission and access to do surgery, to do repair, to do whatever he wants to do? You just present yourself this morning for the next 15 seconds. Go. Father, we unhide before you. We give you permission to shine your light. We give you permission to expose to correct and instruct. We give you permission to mend. And we surrender to what you want to say to us today. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart that's willing and softened and ready to obey. In Jesus' name, so be it. I want to start in Genesis 3. If you will open there, we'll start in verse 3. Very familiar passage of Scripture. My niece is here. She thought you should know. Oakland didn't wave her hand for first-time guests today, but it is her first time. Yes, yes. And I would kiss you, but I'm too far away. Genesis 3 and 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat it, eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from his fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband and with her and he to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Say, their eyes were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Before I go any further, ladies that were with us for the last 48 hours, you're going to hear some repeat material because I can't get away from it. Don't check out. Okay, don't check out. Don't, oh, I've already heard this. I'm waiting for my spouse to get the revelation. Don't do that. Keep your heart postured to receive. We never stop learning. We never stop growing. We never stop allowing light to do what light does. So don't check out on me, okay? So I want to just highlight for you um, this very familiar passage. We've all heard it. We all know this is why we ended up where we are today. Many of you have harbored terrible feelings towards sweet little Eve who is now redeemed and you will have to hug her at the pearly gates. 
You don't get to say bad things about Eve anymore. She's redeemed. Amen? So, in verse 5, the enemy, right before he tells them truth, he lies to them. I want to highlight to you that's what the enemy does. He comes in and he inserts doubt, has God said. And if we take the bait of the doubt, then he takes what we have heard, what truth we do know, puts his lie in the middle of it, and we take it hook, line, and sinker. So he says, has God said? And she says, oh, yes, this is what God said. And then he says, oh, this is where he lies. You'll not surely die. We know she died, right? Her spirit died. Sin entered. But what he said about God knows when you eat this fruit, your eyes are going to be opened. And you're going to be like him, knowing good and evil. The deal is they were already made in his image and they knew what they were supposed to know, which was good. But when they ate the fruit, their eyes were opened and they did see good and evil. So he did present them a measure of truth. I feel the need to highlight that scheme because some of you are wrestling over truth mixed in with doubt and that's why you, you're stuck. But you need to go back and ask, has God, what did God say? And I found even in talking with someone I know and just saying, you know what, this is what I know I heard. I find that I'll represent the simplicity of what I heard and all the other stuff is filter and process and doubt and confusion and opinion of man and all the other things. And I've let it mix in and intertwine. Somebody needs to hear that this morning so that you could come out of confusion and you can just go back to, this is what God said, everything else will just sort itself out. I gotta gotta wrap myself in what God said. So we know what happens. She takes the bait, they eat the fruit, and their eyes were open. And for the first time in humanity, we saw sons and daughters of God through serpent eyes. Created to live in the day, created to live with bright eyes, Created to see good, created to see as God saw, now we see with serpent eyes. The thing about serpent eyes is they are created and work best in low light. They they see well in darkness. Actually, when they hunt in the day, they have a filter or screen that goes up over their eye that blocks UV light because they don't see well in light. Light blinds them. You were made for light. Your eyes actually absorb UV light, so much so that if you look at the sun, you can cause your own self-blindness because you're not supposed to stare at that concentration of UV light for that long. But you were created for light. You absorb it. You actually take light in and it reflects and does all this cool stuff and it empowers you to see. Unlike serpent eyes, light comes in and hinders their sight. Something else interesting about serpents is they, they use their tongue to feel vibration. They're led by their feelings. They're led by what they feel. 
It ought not be so for the sons and daughters of God with bright eyes who have light and truth to determine and order our steps. Instead, we choose to go by our feelings and we end up where Eve found herself, deceived. How do you know if you're deceived? You hide. When he comes, you hide. When he confronts, you defend. You make an excuse. It gets uncomfortable. When he comes to bring correction and instruction, you want to tell him all the reasons why you did what you did. You're hiding. Because if we really have to deal with what you're trying to bring to me, I have to get naked and vulnerable and I have to deal with the pain or deal with the lie you're confronting. So if when he confronts you hide, there's a measure of serpent eyes that you're seeing through. I want to unpack that for us this morning. Let's look at Psalm 43 verses one through something. I'm telling you what. No, I got them in order. I even numbered them. Hallelujah. (laughs) Psalm 43, verse 1. God, clear my name. Plead my case against the unjust charges of these ungodly workers of wickedness. It's important to note that the ungodly workers of wickedness are not the person to your right or the person to your left. They are not your employer. They are not your mother. They are not your father. They are not your spouse. They are not your children. They are spiritual rulers in the spirit world who are ranked and they have missions and assignments and tasks and they have targets and you're involved and that's who we're dealing with. I used to read David's Psalms and be like, man, he had like some serious enemies. Like, did they have meetings and just corral all these people and just have hate David meetings? But I really believe David was referring to the warfare he was in. Yes, he was running for his life and he lived in a cave and all of that. But I believe he understood because he lived in the face of God. I believe he understood who his real enemy was. And so we have these unjust charges coming against us from these ungodly workers of wickedness. And he says, deliver me from these lying degenerates. For you are where my strength comes from and you are my protector. So why would you leave me now? Must I be covered with gloom while the enemy comes after me, gloating with glee? Pour into me the brightness of your daybreak. Pour into me your rays of revelation truth. Let comfort, let them comfort and gently lead me onto the shining path, showing the way into your burning presence, into your many sanctuaries of holiness. Then I will come closer to your very altar until I come before you, the God of my ecstatic joy. I will praise you with the harp that plays in my heart to you, my God, my magnificent God. Then I will say to my soul, don't be discouraged. 
And don't be disturbed, for I fully expect my Savior God to break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes, living before his face is my saving grace. Matthew 6, 22. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. Luke eleven thirty four thirty six 36 says it, says it like this. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. When your heart is open, the light floods in. When your heart is hard and closed or when you're hiding or when you're wearing serpent eyes, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. Open your heart and consider my words. This is Jesus talking. Watch out that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. If your spirit burns with light, fully illuminated with no trace of darkness, you will be a shining lamp reflecting rays of truth by the way you live. In Genesis, when God created light, it was before the sun and moon were created. He said, let there be light. On down, he creates the sun and the moon and he puts stars in the sky and he sets light as a governor. Light is actually what helps us determine when the night comes and when it rises, when it falls. The sun, it's a governor. It lets us know days and times and seasons and years, right? In in uh, In Matthew, oh shoot, let me fast forward here. Fast forward, that's my buggy fast forwarding. It's not there. And this is frozen. Oh, oh, are you coming undone for me? Hallelujah. Nope, you aren't. (laughs) It's in there. It's in there. It's Matthew. It's in there. It's in Mark. And it says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You know it. In me there is no darkness, right? In Proverbs, he says that he puts in man a burning living lamp. It's him. He's the burning living lamp. He's the lamp that guides and governs. He's the one that reveals darkness, exposes darkness, drags its tail into light, exposes it, and then teaches you how to deal with that thing. When he left us, he did not leave us without light. In the Old Testament, The governor is the sun and the moon and the light and the stars. In the new, in a new better covenant, the light, the governor is inside. We should be knowers of the times, of the seasons. We should be knowers. We should be aware of what is truth and what is not truth because he lives inside. I want to talk to you about these lying degenerates today. He says, deliver me from these lying degenerates. If all of us in the room are honest, we all have some lying degenerates. You think the lying degenerate, oh, I'm gonna need a helper. I'm just gonna go ahead and confess my humanity. (laughs) Just tape as I hand, there you go. Did you get it unfrozen? I'm kissing you for that. 
And you're gonna have to show me how you did that so that I don't have to depend on you in all seasons and circumstances. <laughs> so, we think, uh-huh, that side. We think um, mom and dad or a coach or a pastor, people who are supposed to have voices of influence in your life, rejected you. What you didn't know, maybe what you still don't know, is they cannot give you what they do not have. So if they don't know acceptance, they can't give you acceptance. So unknownst to them, they will give you rejection. But it's not unpersonal to you. Right? It feels very personal when someone holds you at arm's length, refuses to let you in, doesn't know you're in the room, pours your heart out, and you no reciprocation. Wall, do you see me? Am I here? Have, do you acknowledge me? Do you know me? Do you know my favorite color? Do you know what's going on with me? And for those of you in the room, maybe it wasn't mom, maybe it wasn't dad. Oh my gosh, me and the earrings. I know, I need deliverance from earrings, but I love my earrings. <laughs> I just don't want to take them off. See, lying degenerates, they come at opportune times. They come in your developmental years. And they come through doors of trauma. All of you have had developmental years and all of you have had a moment of trauma. Some on a one to 10 scale might be a one and someone in here is at a 20. But every one of us have had them. And at those moments, lying degenerates come and you think it's mom or dad or a coach or a pastor. And because it's personal, it's incredibly personal, and because you don't understand it's a lying degenerate, you take on identity of not enough. So because of what they did, this is who I am. Maybe you had someone in your life who was passive. Engage! Say something! Nothing. And you think something has to be wrong with me. Something is wrong with me. There has to be something wrong with me. They seem pretty normal. I don't feel normal. I feel like I'm going crazy. I need you to engage. You won't engage. I, something must be wrong with me. So someone's passive and you decide, I'm shy. I'm an introvert. I tried. I went for it. I put myself out there. No one acknowledged me. I was unseen, I was unnoticed. Eh. Or maybe 
Someone quit on you. Someone who wasn't supposed to quit. Someone who by very definition of their position in your life were not supposed to quit. They were supposed to keep fighting. They were supposed to show up. They were supposed to knock your bedroom door down and go, not going away, I'm here, let's work through this. And instead, they're gone. Maybe they're gone by choice. Maybe they left prematurely. Maybe they left not by choice. Maybe someone in your life is supposed to have a voice of influence, supposed to shape your identity and your worth and tell you who you are. Maybe they were a workaholic. So you can't celebrate their work ethic. You can't celebrate the excellence they do things with. You can't even celebrate the reward and benefit that their working brings to you because all you feel is alone. Didn't come to my ball games, missed my birthday parties. Had no idea what my GPA was in high school. Didn't really call, check on me in college. Had to go it alone. Had to figure it out. Or maybe someone in your world was excellent at making promises and terrible at keeping them. I promise I'll, I'll do it this time. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I promise I'll do it this time. I'll get it right this time. And they keep breaking promises and they keep breaking promises and you turn into an anxious basket case. You don't understand. I mean, people who were supposed to show up didn't show up, you know, so I'm anxious. I'm an anxious person. If I had a dollar, if I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say they were anxious, I'd be a millionaire, a millionaire. I'm just anxious. I'm just, I'm a nervous person. I'm going to tick some people off right now, and it's okay. I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad at your enemy. Who's put blinders on your eyes and told you this is who you are, and you should take medication for it, and you're probably going to always be this way. Probably going to always be this way. Probably going to internally struggle, you know, till the day you die. When God the Father created you in his heart and his mind and he got with his son who is wisdom and who is creativity and who is intelligence and they wired you and they put you together and they put purpose and they put their glory in you, anxiety and fear are not in the DNA of God. You are not hardwired for fear and anxiety. You are hardwired for faith. And your enemy knows that. So in a moment of confusion, in a moment of trauma, in a moment when you did not know who you were, he told you who you were and you bought it. And he backed it up by people who were supposed to show up and supposed to keep their promises and supposed to be on time and supposed to be present and they were not and further pushed you into the anxiety pit. 
And now your confession is, I'm an anxious person. I'm shy. I'm backward. I'm an introvert. Do you know what the word introvert means? It means into oneself, the very antithesis of what a believer is supposed to be, a laid down lover for Jesus, not an internal focused on me, all about me, all about me. It's supposed to be all about him, who you are, who you are in me and who I am in you. An introvert should not be in the vocabulary of a believer. What I'm not saying is that your personality is of no importance and that you're not unique and that you don't have certain quirks and things about you, that you don't have strengths or weaknesses. But who you are is not what you wrestle with. And the moment you decide what you wrestle with is not an enemy but is indeed who you are, you have surrendered territory. Maybe you had someone in your life who was hands-off, but really good at giving you money. Knew how to write a big check, knew how to buy your first car, and they were there, and they paid for your school, and never if you ever needed money, they've got it. But they have no idea what you're dealing with. They don't know your best friend's name. They don't know your favorite food. They don't know your shoe size. They have to say, what size do you wear when buying you a Christmas gift? But they, they're great at giving money. Maybe someone was harsh. Harsh and unkind did not have gentle in their vocabulary. Here's what happens. When someone in your world is harsh and they're supposed to be a voice of influence and they're a shaping voice and they're in the developmental years or they're a voice you've decided you're going to be vulnerable and risky and trust. And they mess up. And you see them as a defining voice instead of a human who is subject to failure. And you come into agreement with what they say or how they make you feel. You assess and assign them to a place and you become the very thing you swore you would never become. Right. I will be present for my kids. I'm going to be there, going to be involved. So you're showing up, but you've, you've got this anger gnawing at you. And you don't like how you feel, but you don't know how to get rid of how you feel. And so you're there, and you're absolutely doing better than the generation before you. I mean, you're holding your ground. You're there. You're present. I'm at the ball games. I'm at the school stuff. I mean, my head is spinning, and I want to choke you half the time, and I'm, like, really angry inside. And I'm managing that until you don't manage it. The reason that 
you have become what you said you would never become is because when they showed up and they failed, you assessed and assigned them to a place. And because you've assessed and assigned them and not released them, you've assessed and assigned yourself to a place. Because if God isn't able to heal and forgive and redeem them, he can't heal and forgive and redeem me. If God can't heal and redeem and forgive them, if I can't see them healed and whole and forgiven and walking in fullness of purpose, then how do I expect that God to not show up for them, but show up for me? The deal is you know better. You know you don't believe he can with them, and so you know he can't with you, and you're angry that you don't know how to get out of what you're in. The truth is he can handle all that and all you and ten more if you'll get bright eyes and take off serpent eyeglasses. If you'll let God show you where you've agreed with voices of influence, where you've agreed with moments of confusion and allowed what was simply meant to be water off a duck's back. And you took that in. You pondered it. You let the enemy flash a movie screen on the screen of your mind and just show you. This is what it's going to look like. This is who you are. This is who you'll be. And you don't have any authority to break the cycle because you hate them. If you will release them and forgive them and understand it wasn't them and it was in fact a lying degenerate assigned to destroy them and you, somebody can get a breakthrough. Somebody can open the portal for forgiveness and healing and break that off your family. And somebody can see, we don't have to live like this. You mean I'm not, I'm not anxious? I'm not a fearful person. I'm not an introvert. I'm not unseen. I'm not unnoticed. I'm not ordinary. You mean I'm unique by design? You mean my very presence when I'm aware and I'm awake and I know who I am makes my enemy tremble? What? But you're convinced because that's what you see. I want to take us to Ephesians and unpack this a little bit more. And then, oh, I got to hurry. Is this what you feel like? How about those of you that say, I'm a worrier. I'm a worrier. It's my job in the earth to worry. Someone has to, you know, stay up all night and worry about all the details. I mean, if I get off my job, the world's stopping spinning. Things will cease to function and exist. I'm the worrier. I, that's me. That's who I am. Because somebody failed you and messed up and missed a detail does not mean that you have to step in and be your savior and fix it all and be your own hero. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. 
sadness. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you will walk no longer, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Before we keep going, let's back up and look at Gentiles. It's not merely a race there. He's merely referring to people who have not yet come into kingdom understanding, into revelation. So they are sons of disobedience, okay? They are sons in darkness. And he's saying, don't walk like they walk. Their heart is hard. They're calloused. They're futile in their mind. That word futile means completely pointless, useless. There's no point in having a conversation. Anybody ever talk to somebody that does not want to listen to what you have to say? It's like talking to a wall. Will not receive instruction. They have no desire to input anything from the conversation. They just... Some people are actually really good at faking it and will like, yes and amen and right there. And then you feel in the spirit. Uh, do they know they're not hearing what I'm saying? Let's look at how they got there. Verse, oh, given over to sensuality. That word sensuality, I used to think it meant just sexual sin. But it's senses, sensuality. You live by your senses. You live by how you see what you feel, what you can touch. You're driven by that reality. Verse 20. I don't have it up here. Do you have it back there? Praise God. No, you don't have it? Oh, okay, super. Can um, Ephesians, yeah, thank you. Sorry, Isaac. Wasn't understanding what you're saying. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. Do you hear that? This is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. Do you have it? Okay, embodied in Jesus, sorry. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you, the living lamp, as your new life and life in you and live in union with him. For God has recreated you. You may come into the kingdom anxious. You may come to the door and the gate anxious. But he recreates you when you're born again. All over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness or true wholeness. True, complete wholeness. It should not be our confession 
that I'm anxious, I'm fearful, I'm worried, I'm unseen, I'm not important, I'm not enough, etc. Fill in the blank. And if you want freedom, you've got to forgive. Let's look at Ephesians 4, uh, 28 through 30. Do you have that one? Did I give that one to you? Praise the Lord. Oh, I lied. It's 30 through 32. I owe you something for this torture I'm putting you through. <laughs> Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. All right, bottom line. When you have serpent eyes, you don't see him right. When you have serpent eyes, you don't see you right. And when you have serpent eyes, you don't see them right. But you can't just get this right and this right. You have to get it all right. Because when I love myself, I can love others. And when I decide that what they've done goes in the not able to forgive you box, I open the door freely and willingly and say access granted to malice, to bitterness, to anger, to slander, to clamor, to hard heart, to calloused heart, to darkened heart, to I can't see. Go ahead and fill me with your poison. Because I've decided that how I feel, my senses dominate how I live rather than the word and the truth of God's word, which says be quick to forgive. It's not about how you made me feel. You're not worth me staying in prison over. You're not worth me harboring anger over. You're not worth me losing sleep at night. Because really it's not you. It's him. And he hates you like he hates me. So how about you and I get on the same team and deal with the real enemy? If you're going to spend 2020 like you dream of spending 2020... If you're going to seize the decade, you've got to let go of some stuff. You've got to release and forgive. Paul, will you come up here, please? You're not alone. He will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. You're not not enough. You're overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in all things. Romans 8, 35. You're not anxious. Philippians 2 says, be anxious for nothing. Bring that thing to me. We'll deal with it. You're not shy and introvert. Psalm 138, 3 says that he makes you bold. And deep down, when that person that violated you or took something from you or failed you or didn't show up, when they get healed, they actually won't be a quitter because they'll be recreated in his image. And his image is not a quitter. He is perseverance. He never, ever, ever, ever quits. Everybody else will quit, but he'll never quit. He won't quit when you tell him no. 
He'll, he will quit when you're running from him, telling him no, screaming no at him. He's hot on your heels. He's not passive. He's intentional. He's not harsh. He's gentle and he's kind. And his mercies are new every morning. And his loving kindness is the reason why we're all still alive. Because we all deserve death. He's not a workaholic. He's incredibly relational. But he gets it all done. He's not monetary and hands off. He is indeed provider. He takes care of every need that you have. And he's incredibly hands on. He's a promise maker and a promise keeper. And your father doesn't have rejection in his vocabulary. He had a plan in place from the foundation of the world. It was a rejection proof plan. He was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Rejection proof. They'll never, not one, not one, not one will be rejected. Not one won't be able to get in. Doesn't matter what they do. Doesn't matter if they run and yell and scream. No, I will be hot on their heels and there will always be a way for them to come in. Because I made a way through my son. And I made provision for my son before the foundations of the world. He never created you without a way to get to him. So whoever screwed it up didn't have it to get you to give it to you. But he can get it to them and he can get it to you. If you'll take your eyes off what they didn't do and let God do it, he'll do it. And the anger that you want to go away, that you can't figure out how to get rid of, it'll leave you because you let the oil of his spirit and the light of his word and the love of God that swallows up and covers up and devours sin and iniquity. He'll replace it. He'll swallow up the ache. He'll swallow up the disappointment. And he will empower you to do the same. So you don't become the thing you hate. It's time for us to agree with God about who we are and take territory. In your families, in this city. It's time for you to quickly forgive just like the dude at the doctor takes that little thing and knocks your knee and whoop. You didn't even make it do it. It just does it, right? We need to be that quick to forgive. That quick. Oh, I see what you did there, lying degenerate. You took over the body of my husband and made him act a fool. But I will not take the bait because that's not who my husband is. And I refuse to partner with my adversary and listen to your junk about who my husband is. Because if that's who he really is, we're all in trouble. And if I'm who you say I am, we're most certainly in trouble. So I'm not taking the bait. When he acted crazy, I will walk away. I will sick Holy Spirit on him. He'll deal with it. We'll get together. But I've already forgiven. 
because I don't need poison. I don't need prison. I want freedom. Maybe it's your employer. Maybe it was mom. Maybe it was dad. Maybe it was a sibling. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe a spiritual mother, spiritual father. I don't know. The possibilities are endless. But we got to deal with it. We got to let Holy Spirit deal with it. So I want our prayer team to come up this morning. Some of you may want to deal with it in your seat. Some of you may want to come up. Some of you may want to go home and close the closet and go in there for a little while. I have no preconceived idea of what you dealing with it looks like. I just know there's an invitation for you to deal with what the light has shined on today. I am who you say I am. He is who he says he is. I'm defined by all his promises, shaped by every word he says. Oh, I am who he says I am. He is who he says he is i'm defined by all his promises shaped by every word he sing that again oh i am who he says i am he is who he says he is i'm defined by all his promises shaped by every word he says oh I so Holy Spirit we just give you permission as we said in the beginning for you to investigate for you to shine revelation light to turn the lamp on and to search out our innermost being to bring truth where there is a lie to bring freedom where there's captivity to bring light where there is darkness, to bring wholeness where there is hurt and pain. I'm asking today would be a beginning of a journey to wholeness at a soul level and at a spirit level so that another layer, another piece of what you're trying to get into our families and our bloodlines would come into alignment. I'm asking God that you would turn the hearts of husbands and wives to one another, that you would turn the hearts of children to their parents and parents to their children. I ask for the grace of God that we would choose forgiveness. We would quickly choose forgiveness and we would release the toxin and the poison of holding all of that offense in and blaming it on not our real enemy. I pray you would give us eyes to see who our enemy is and that we would set our eyes on Jesus, the bright one, the light one, the anointed one. I pray we would have a singular focus that we would see you in all your glory and your splendor and your majesty and that our goal would be to be like you. Not so worried about who's not what, but be like you.
So be it. If you need prayer, you can come on down. If you need to go, you can go. Well, we're just going to let Holy Spirit minister to us this morning. Don't forget as you're leaving to sign up for the things that are out there that are available to you. And we love you and we bless you and have an incredible week. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.